When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Some people just know bundling with Allstate means big savings. Just like they know the right ingredient means big flavor. They know honey on pizza is where it's at. And olive oil on ice cream is the cherry on top. And they know when you bundle home and auto with Allstate, you can save up to 25%. Mm -mm. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois. Your podcast home of the Utah State Aggies. This is another edition of the Aggies All the Way podcast with Scott Gerard from Learfield IMG College. All right, welcome in. It's another edition of the Aggies All the Way podcast. I am Scott Gerard. It's our Tuesday conversation with Kevin White. Uh, we will chat with Kevin here in a second. Excited, though, we hit a milestone. Uh, and thank you to everyone who has listened, everyone who's downloaded, everyone who's subscribed. Uh, just earlier today, as we taped this on a Tuesday, uh, we hit the 100,000 download plateau. So uh, for Utah State and a podcast that we just kind of had some fun with uh, throughout the summer and thought it'd be kind of fun to provide some, you know, a couple more touch points for some listeners out there and some Aggie fans to be able to get audio with the team that they're passionate about uh, to hit 100,000 downloads in about two and a half months. Not bad, not bad at all. So thank you. We, uh, we, I, I cannot thank you enough for listening and being a uh, being a part of what we're trying to build here. And uh, coming up tomorrow night, we'll have the uh, coaches show that we'll post here on the podcast, and and a lot of other great things that we're going to put together for you. So thank you so much for listening, and uh, hopefully we'll continue to deliver some content that will keep you keep keep you around so we can hit uh, two hundred thousand here very soon. All right. So with that, let's bring in the man who is responsible for tens of thousands of those downloads, Kevin White. 
Kevin and I will be on a plane coming up here in about 48 hours. We will be in Winston-Salem, North Carolina. And 72 hours from about right now, Kevin, we'll know how the uh, season opener has gone for the Utah State Aggies. How you doing? Doing great. Uh, yeah, we're counting down now. I'm getting more excited by the day. So good. It's getting close. It's getting close. It is. What's it the, is. We're almost there. What's this week like for a player? Well, you know, it's uh, you're just getting antsy at this point. You you can't wait for game day to get here. I think you you've been through your your fall scrimmages, your your you know all of your workouts, all of your meetings. You get to a, a spot right now for game one where you're just ready. Let's get it. Let's get it going. Let's hit somebody new. We've got all the prep in. We've got the game plan in. Now it's just time to go execute. And uh, you know, they'll, it'll be tough to, to make that cross country trip to uh, to Winston Salem, and it's a long flight. And so they'll need to get accustomed. They'll need to get a good night's rest. But right now they are just chomping at the bit to to get it started. And I think uh, you know that the prep they put in will will certainly show up on on Friday night. They're uh, I think they're ready to go. Uh, it is a long flight. Uh, Kevin and I are very keenly aware of how long that flight is. I <laughs> I made that trip a couple of years ago. Uh, a lot of members of this Utah State team were on that team. Jordan Love got some of his first meaningful minutes on a football field against Wake Forest. So this is uh, these guys. Some of these guys on this team know this trip. They've been on it, and I, I think that's probably going to be beneficial for this team. Should be. Uh, you know, I went back and kind of looked at, the, at that game a couple of years ago. Of course, it didn't fare well. Rough start. State. Really yeah, rough start 40, in that game. 46 to 10 uh, finish in that game. Uh, but Jordan got in, I think he was 6 of 13, uh, threw a 77-yard touchdown pass to, to Gerald Bright. Yep. And you're right, got some of his first action uh, as an Aggie in that game. And so th- th- I think that'll help them a little bit because there's some fami- uh, familiarity there that they've been there. They, they understand the he- heat and the humidity. They'll understand how to hydrate and take care of themselves. It'll be a night game, so it should obviously be a little bit cooler at night than it than it is during the day. And you know, there's a lot of these these Aggie players that uh, that were there two years ago, including Bright and and uh, and Jordan Love and and several others. Jordan Nathan got some action in that game as well. Uh, so, but there's also a lot of young guys that are going to be seeing their first action in an Aggie uniform. So that, that, those are the guys that you wonder about, are they get really going to be ready? Are they really prepped? Are they they're going to be able to take care of their business and uh, understand how to get prepared on a, on a game day, especially a long-distance game day like this one? So it'll be interesting. I think we'll see Thursday when we get there and even into Friday morning how, as, as we get a chance to kind of be around the coaches and the players, how they're adjusting and, and whether or not they're really ready to go. I thought last year when we went to Michigan State, being around the players, there was a a level of confidence that uh, that was yeah. really then manifested as they got out on the field. Yeah, especially especially as they they matched up physically so well with Michigan State last year, and so I think they're going to go into this one um, certainly ready with the game plan. I really am anxious to see how they match up up front on the offensive and defensive lines, and and if they they can match the physicality of of Wake Forest. You know, one thing you look at Wake Forest too, and I noticed this when Utah State played them a couple of years ago. Uh, and and their coach Dave Clawson is a huge proponent of development, especially in the trenches. You look at their offensive line, uh, and and there are I I don't believe there are any members on their two deep on the offensive line that's a red shirt that that did not redshirt. Like they 
They do not throw guys into the uh, into the fire. They develop them. They make them sit their time and wait their time and develop and develop. And when you when you're around and you're coaching for a team for a long time, and he's been there since uh, 2014, uh, you can you you've got time to do that. And you probably can't do that immediately. But once you get your guys in and you can develop them, uh, it works out really well. And he's done a very good job of building big, strong offensive line. And, and they run pace, too. This is something they'll they'll try to be up-tempo. And fortunately, I think Utah State, with a defense that sees that in practice every day, should be ready for that. You know, I'll be interested to see what they do because they, they sort of, because of attrition and some injuries later in the year last year, they slowed down a little bit, especially when Jamie Newman was uh, was was named the quarterback. And, of course, they've named Newman the starting quarterback now uh, starting the season. So I'm, I'm interested to see if they will run pace or if they'll maybe slow it down just a little bit to accommodate uh, Newman's style. And he's yeah. sort of that, that dual threat, you know, the big 6'4", 230-pounder that, that can beat you in the quarterback run game. And, of course, he threw for about 60% and, and nine touchdowns a year ago as well. But you're right, those guys up front, even though they got three sophomores in the starting lineup, all of them are third-year sophomores. So yeah. they're really more, you know, uh, you know experienced in, in, in the program and, and, again, on the defensive line a lot of experience and uh, they've got Boogie Basham that's uh, good at number nine. If you're, if you're going to get it on TV and the ACC network and you can watch number nine, he's going to be a tough one for Utah state's offensive line to, to handle. So you're right. A lot of strength, a lot of um, experience up front on both the offensive and defensive lines. And I'm really anxious to see the battles in the trenches. They've got good wide receivers. They lost a kid who really gave Utah state fits a couple of years ago young man who declared eligible a little early for the NFL, so he's gone. But Sage Surratt, as well as Scotty Washington, two receivers, and they've got some size, too. Uh, you know, Sage Surratt, six foot three. Uh, Scotty Washington, six foot five. Uh, their slot guy, Kendall Hinton, who's an even six foot. Uh, Utah State's going to have their handfuls in the you know with these wide receiver core, especially with Jamie Newman, who can uh, push the ball down the field quite a bit. You're right, and and even the backups are six four and yeah. six five. They they do like those big wide receivers. And Surratt, forty one catches for five hundred eighty one yards and four scores a year ago, and Washington twenty catches for two hundred forty three yards a year ago and three touchdowns. Hinton is uh, playing that slot as a converted quarterback, and yep. they really like his twitch in the slot to position. And and so it'll be really interesting to see how they come out and 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 uh, attack Utah State from the passing game perspective. I got to believe, though, that, you know, they were such a balanced team a year ago. They averaged 213 yards on the ground and 236 yards uh, through the air. And they've got a good running back, and Cade Carney is a senior this year, one of their team captains, a 1,000-yard rusher from a year ago. Really a balanced team, and they've even got a really good tight end in Jack uh, Frudenthal that uh, had four touchdown catches a year ago. So they spread it around. They've got big targets. They'll try to create matchups. They'll run a little bit of pace. They'll run the QB, uh, um, the QB run game. A lot of what I saw on film was a lot of QB counter. So they'll use Carney at the running back position and, and Newman as multiple, you know, sort of running backs in, in the quarterback running back position. And then they'll spread it out off of play action to Washington mm-hmm. and Stratton and, and uh, Frudenthal a tight end. And so they are multiple. They'll be tough to defend. They averaged 33 points a ball game a year ago. That'll be really a, a, a really strong challenge for this Utah State defense. You know what? It was a team, too, that did not start the season very well last year, but they caught fire late, and things really started to click for them late in the season. As you mentioned, uh, the quarterback change, 
Uh, Newman got him going a little bit. They ended up with a bull win, so they finished the season at 7-6 and six after needing to win some big games. And probably the highlight game was going to Duke and really putting it on Duke. Uh, they needed to go there and get the win in uh, Durham, and they did it. But uh, this is a team that they know what it's like to have their back against the wall. But to me, it's a – and uh, maybe I'm putting unfair expectations on this Utah State team. This is a middle-of-the-pack ACC team. And if Utah State anticipates being a team that's going to challenge for a Mountain West Conference title, this is a game you go in and you should be evenly matched and you should play well and you should have give yourself every opportunity to win this game in the fourth quarter. And that's what I anticipate. I'm not saying Utah State's going to win. I'm not saying they're going to lose, but uh, Utah State needs to make sure that they are in a position to win this game in the fourth quarter. No question. And we said the same thing a year ago at Michigan State. I remember you and I talking to Coach Matt Wells, and he said if we had it a, within a touchdown one way or the yep. other going to the fourth, you'd really take it. i got to believe that this, this team, this Utah State team, is equally as good and physical, if not perhaps a step above what we may see with Wake Forest. Um, I, I, maybe I'm speaking out of turn there. We'll see. But uh, I got to believe that, you know, when you look at the stats, especially uh, Wake Forest defense, they gave up almost 34 points a game a year ago and 460 yards of offense. And they've got a lot of those same players back. Now they'll be better because they're a year, uh, uh, a year older into the, into the program. But I, I got to believe that Utah State's feeling confident that they're going to be able to move the football against yeah. this team. Yep. And if they can, and they can get some early success, you remember last year, the opening drive against Michigan State, Utah State went right down the field and scored, and it sort of set the tone for the rest of the year. So I think if Utah State can get some early success on offense and build some confidence, i got to believe that they'll be able to put some points on the board, and I think that the defense is equal, if not stronger than they were a year ago, probably even stronger than they were a year ago. And with the schemes that uh, that Gary Anderson and, and Justin Anna have brought in, I, I got to believe that they they will have seen enough of this sort of multiple offense to be able to control gaps uh, and enough to keep Wake Forest down. I I I shouldn't predict it, Scotty, but I think Utah State's going to go in and get a win. Yeah, I do too. I do too. And maybe we're giving them the kiss of death right now. Um, and maybe I'll I should go back and edit this out afterwards. But uh, I do. I do. I think Utah State should win this game. I really do. I know that uh, Wake Forest is a uh, slight favorite coming into this game, but you know the Utah State and uh, has put themselves out there with the Jordan Love campaign. I think Jordan Love knows he needs to play well, and and you were in that quarterback room with him. Uh, this is a confident kid right now. He's had himself an incredible camp. He's adapted to an offensive, not a huge offensive change, but uh, there have been some slight tweaks to who they are offensively, and and he's embraced it. He's worked hard. Uh, and and it's time to uh, reap the rewards of a lot of hard work, and I think that all begins on Friday. I agree. He's in complete command of the offense, complete command of the football team. I mean, it is really his football team, and you've seen him as he's grown through the summer with uh, what he did at the Peyton Manning and Eli Manning Academy and what he's done in fall camp and spring ball and all the interviews that he's done, and, and uh, you know he's just growing and growing and growing in his maturity and his leadership. And uh, I think we talked about it last week that, uh, you know, he's going to be able to, to really dictate through his calls at the line of scrimmage, especially early. I know that they, they want to take a couple of deep shots for sure to kind of try to loosen up the defense, but early create that success, just like they did a year ago with the inside receivers and get the quick passing game going, get some success, build some first downs uh, and have some early success in the first quarter. 
And, and Jordan Love just has such a mastery of what they're trying to do and understands every single coverage that now people are throwing at him. I, I watched him in the quarterback room look at a, a cover six and a cover three and a cover two, and I, I don't know if everybody knows what that means, but back in the day, you either played a two-deep, a three-deep zone, uh-huh. or a man-to-man, and now you've got man-free. Uh, man you've got uh, you know double coverage on the outside, cover six with – with corner coverages. I mean, there's so many different coverages. And as I watched him uh, watching film, Coach Sanford would say, all right, guys, what, what coverage are they in? And Jordan Love, without batting an eye, could tell you before pre-snap read exactly what they were going to do based wow. upon a lineup from the free safety or the strong safety and then tendencies from the Mike line, linebacker. He had the ability to understand exactly what they were trying to do by formation, by motion, Everything that they've got in the playbook, he's got command of it. The game has slowed down so much for him that he can manipulate the game at the line of scrimmage, much like a Peyton Manning did in the NFL at the collegiate level. Now, he's not at that level yet, but I saw a kid that has that kind of confidence now that can really manage the game at the line of scrimmage, and, and he'll be able to get them in and out of, uh, in and out of plays based upon alignment, based upon uh, formation, based upon down and distance that will help them continue to move the chains and he's also learned how to take a three-yard play or to throw a ball away or to you know chunk yardage to get the first down first downs equal points at some point and he understands that he doesn't have to get the big play every single time out i think maybe two years ago as a, as a freshman he would go for the big play now he's understanding how to to manage the game a little bit better and and i think he'll be able to do that and that'll be really important especially early in the ball game all right, you and I will uh, have the pregame show beginning uh, here locally. We'll begin the uh, pregame show at 5 o'clock, kickoff at 6. It's an 8 o'clock kickoff, though, in North Carolina. And I think two time zones, when you travel two time zones, the later the game, the better for you. And I think that late game, I think, is advantageous to Utah State. I do, too. I think, you know, especially as, as you get into the evening time, it will cool down. Uh, I, I was a little bit worried about the heat and the humidity, but uh, when I looked at the forecast, it looks like it should be a nice night for football. They should have been able to, uh, you know, uh, customize to the, the time zone difference. And, uh, you know, I just think that they're, they're in shape, they're in position, and there's some expectations that they want to live up to. And I think that they're just antsy and chomping at the bit to get out there and prove to everybody why people are picking them as perhaps uh, you know, a, a certainly a contender in the Mountain West Conference and perhaps even better than that. And it starts on Friday night, and I think they've got something to prove with a Power 5 game that, uh, you know, we talked about it a year ago. They've been so close. Michigan State, USC, uh, Auburn, Wisconsin. Here's another one of those Power 5 schools that you go up against, and, and this is one that is probably not as strong as some of those others, and you got a real opportunity with this one to come out with a win and really kick off your season on a strong note. So, I'm expecting great things out of this Aggie football team Friday night. Kevin, appreciate it as always. We'll do it again next week uh, on Tuesday, and hopefully we're breaking down a big, big Utah State victory. That would be awesome. Scotty, can't wait for Friday night to get here and go Aggies. Right now, we shift gears. Time to talk some volleyball. Jaden Johnson, your women's basketball play-by-play voice, had a chance to sit down with Utah State volleyball coach Grayson DuBose. Hey everyone, Jaden Johnson here. Uh, I'm excited to be teaming up with Scott on the Aggies All The Way podcast and help bring you even more Utah State coverage every week. So every Thursday I'll be coming at you with interviews from coaches and student athletes 
uh, with a special focus on Olympic sports. Uh, you know, sometimes they fly under the radar and we've got All-Americans, we've got all-conference athletes, former Aggies who are playing pro, and a whole bunch of really cool coaches and support staff here at Utah State. So I, I think that there's a lot of cool stories to tell and I'm hoping to use this as a way to do exactly that. Um, so for our very first conversation of this series, I'm lucky enough to have the uh, opportunity to be here with the head coach of Utah State Volleyball Team, Grayson DeBose. Coach, how are you doing? I'm great. Thanks for having me on. I'm uh, glad you set the bar so low for this first one. <laughs> only, only the best to get <laughs> things going. Um, you know, Coach, one of, the, one of the first sports that I covered here at Utah State and the first teams I covered was your team. And I've always really liked talking to you because I think that, that uh, you're a straight shooter. You kind of tell things how they are. Um, and so I appreciate you, you know, coming, coming on the show and being a little bit of a guinea pig for us. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is awesome. Any sport, anytime we can talk about Utah State, it's a good day for sure. Uh, so your season starts in just a few days here. You've got a big tournament coming up this weekend. And I want to talk about that. We'll definitely, we'll definitely get to that and talk about this year's squad. Um, <clears throat> but first, let's, let's talk a little bit about how you got here and your journey to Utah State. So uh, if I understand correctly, and I'm getting this all from written bios and everything, <laughs> you, you, you played some junior college volleyball. I did. Um, and then went to a, a little, some school I've never heard of down in Provo, a little Yeah, it's a smaller school. College they stole, they steal people's blue and all that kind of stuff. <laughs> uh, I, I'm joking, but you go graduate from BYU yeah. and then come to Utah State and get your uh, teaching degree, right? Correct. Um, okay. So from there, what's next? How I'm always curious to find out how coaches kind of got into coaching. Was it something you always wanted to do, or I mean, you got the teaching degree. Were you were you hoping to go into teaching? Well, when I first started out, I have a history degree, and I what do you do with the history degree? You either go become a lawyer, or you become a teacher. And I wasn't smart enough to get into law school, and law schools were smart enough not to have me in there, <laughs> and so I, I decided to go get a teaching credential. And I started coaching. Down when I was down in college, I started coaching when I was 22. I played for a couple years. I went on an LDS mission to Virginia, and then I uh, started to get into coaching when I was at, when I was down in college, and just kind of get the bug, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you play and you think it's a great game, and then you start coaching, you realize, well, there's a lot more to it than I had ever known. Sure. And so I'm starting to learn and grow a little bit, and I think, okay, I have to go get a teaching credential. And Utah State has the best teaching program in the country, so I I came up here. And I kept coaching club. Um, I got a teaching job in Sandy, Utah. And so I was coaching high school um, and teaching middle school in Sandy, Utah for two years. And then Tom Peterson got the head coaching job here at Utah State in 1999. And I had decided if I was going to go teach, I was going to go do it at a junior college because teaching in middle school was just not a good fit for me. You know, it, mm -hmm. that's a hard deal. And there's really, really good middle school teachers out there. I was not one of them. And, and so Tom Peterson was here. I was working on a master's degree, and Tom Peterson was an old friend. And he said, hey, do you want to come coach? And I said, sure. And so in 99, I started coaching here at Utah State. And then I went from here to the University of New Mexico for a year and a half. And then I went back to BYU to go be an assistant coach with the men's volleyball program mm -hmm. from 2003 to 2006. And then I, uh, I've been here ever since. I came up uh, fall of 2006 was my first season here at Utah State. And it's the best place in the world. I love, I love Logan. I love Cache Valley. I love Utah State. So was it something that, even during your playing days and, and growing up, is it something that you wanted to get into coaching, or, or was it just an opportunity presented itself and 
kind of went down that road. At, at first, it was kind of like this opportunity to go earn a couple extra dollars, right? Yeah. A coaching club, sure. and you're making a couple extra bucks to help pay for school. And and uh, then I realized, wow, this is a lot of fun. You get to impact people. How what, We have the coolest job. Coaches have the coolest job in the country because we get to go impact young people in this important time of their lives, and we get to be a part of that. And I don't think anything's better than that, you know, because who they are at 18 is not who they are at 22. And and you get to watch that growth and be a part of that and have a hand in it maybe and kind of guide them along. I, I just love coaching for all those those reasons. Everybody talks about the wins and the losses, and, yeah, those are a really big deal. But watching the kids come through the program, go on, uh, have families of their own, and, mm-hmm. and send their kids to camps, and, and we get to talk and keep, keep up with them, that's the best part, I think, the relationships. So you kind of went through your, your step-by-step journey. but So you had a stint here at Utah State before you were the head coach or as an assistant during a year that they, it was their first top 25 finish ever. They won a NCAA tournament game. Um, From there, you said you go to New Mexico, you go to BYU. And as much as, uh, you know, I'll joke about BYU, they have a historically really, really great volleyball program. And you won a national title there as an assistant coach. I did in 2004. It's the last one they won actually in 2004. And that was a fun thing to be a part of. To be the last guy standing is always kind of this cool deal because there's a lot of teams that don't get to be there and have that opportunity. So, yeah, I, Amy Crosby, who's now our new SWA mm-hmm. assistant athletic director, I got to coach her in uh, 99 and 2000. And, and Tauby Palmer, Tauby Neves, her sister Chelsea played for me, uh, played for us as an, uh, when I was an assistant here at Utah State for two years. And so I've, it's kind of cool to see all these things come full circle. Then Tauby's old uh, younger sister Paige comes along, and we get to coach her for four years, and, and Amy's back. And so all these really cool things are happening. It's fun. It, Amy came into our office the other day in the sports information office. We've got a wall just covered with posters, you know, old schedule posters and promotional posters. And, of yeah, course, we dungeon, found the right? one. Yep, the, the dungeon. dungeon. Yep. Before we came into the Estes, I was in the dungeon. Oh, were you in the dungeon? That's, <laughs> it gets a little warm in the summer. It does. <laughs> I'm looking forward to the winter. <laughs> but, yeah, so we've got, we've got posters mounted everywhere. And so, of course, she came in and had to find the, I don't know what year it was, but, but the poster that she was on because I actually had the whole team lined up. It was kind of cool to go back and find that on the wall. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, she was excited to see it. And, she, and then she saw all the media guides lined up and said, oh, I could have fun with these. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, so you went, you go to BYU, win a national championship there as an assistant on the men's side. Correct. And then from there, it's straight to Utah State, right, as, as your first head coaching gig. And what, what made you want to come to Utah State? You know, there's a couple of reasons. One, I loved my experience the first time in mm-hmm. 99 and 2000. It was a great place to be. And you could, to me, there's just always been this wonderful feel about Cache Valley and Utah State. Um, the people care. People in the community care. They care about athletics. They care about the university. And another positive for me, outside of the professional part, was that my wife is from Richmond. She grew up as an Appadale, and she's from Richmond. And and so to be able to be close to home in this profession is really unique. Um, That usually doesn't happen. Usually you're moving all around. And I had moved a bunch of different places before I finally came back here. And I always thought this is a place I could settle down. This is a place I could put down some roots and and kind of really establish myself. So, wasn't it was it an adjustment going between men's and women's volleyball at all? I talked with a good friend of mine. His name is Marv Dunphy. He used to be the former coach for the Pepperdine men's volleyball program mm-hmm. there, and a national team coach. Won a gold medal with a guy named Karch Karai. I don't know if, if you're a volleyball person, you should know who that is. Um, but he he said volleyball is volleyball. You're 
know, you're going to go attack a ball, you're going to hit a ball, you got to hit in a 900 square foot box. And, and so he goes, the difference between coaching men and women is going to be personality more than it's going to be anything physical or um, anything, you know, like, oh, gosh, guys jump higher, right? And they're bigger and stronger. Mm-hmm. But other than that, it's the same game. When you went from, I mean, being an assistant coach in high school to an assistant coach at Utah State playing in the national tournament within, what, a couple of years. So I, I have to imagine it was kind of the – Kind of the same thing there, where it's just a different mindset, a different a different level, but still the same game. Yeah, it is for sure. I've been fortunate in my career. I've had a lot of people. I, Isaac Newton is supposed to have said, "If I have seen further, it's because I stand on the shoulders of giants." Mm-hmm. And I think for my career, I've been fortunate to stand on some shoulders of some pretty amazing people and learn from them, and it's really benefited me in the long run. Uh, so, flash forward thirteen years. From the time that you started at Utah State, you're the longest tenured coach in program history. I've got to imagine that's a little weird to hear. It's awesome. I, I love this place. I get excited about it. I get to come to work, and uh, it's a great place to be. I mean, I have this fantastic view from the Estes Center out to the football field, and I, I love it here. I, I People always ask, how long do you want to stay? And I'm always, my answer is always, I'll stay as long as they'll keep me, because <laughs> I just think it's a great place. And what our administration has done, for our program over the course of the years that I've been here. This isn't that even close to where, where we were when, we, when I started here. Oh, facilities and support and everything, it's, it's grown enormously. Exponentially, for You've sure. You've gone through, I guess, a couple of conferences now. or we're, This is my second they, conference, and so I've gone through a few uh, ADs, so, so I've, I've seen a little bit of change on all those ends. Um, so, your, so your weekend starts, or uh, your season starts this weekend. Um, you've got a tournament this weekend. Uh, and so it's your first time that you really get to put this team to the test. You know, you've been watching them all summer, building it for years on end. I've got to imagine, is there a little bit of jitters and excitement? I know you've been doing it forever, but do you still get kind of kind of nervous leading into the season? I think so. I think if you're not, then, then what are you doing? You know, <laughs> I, I, for me, I get excited. I, I start, I have a book that I keep and I write my thoughts down in a little journal. I mm-hmm. like to, it's very cathartic for me and, and I write down, hey, this is where I think our team can get to. Uh, I write down lineups. I write down drills that I like, all kinds of stuff. And so, yeah, I get excited. I can't sleep. It's like going to school on your first day. Like I didn't sleep last night. We started school today. I was excited for the kids to go start school. And so I woke up at four in the morning. And <laughs> so it's all exciting stuff. Uh, speaking of that tournament, so you've got Xavier, Eastern Michigan, Southern Utah coming in. Um, I'm not trying to make a shameless plug or anything, but volleyball is really a spectator sport. And it's so, I've been in the Estes Center when it's packed and you've got, you know, thousand, I don't know what the capacity is, but 1400. You got, you know, a thousand plus people and they're screaming and, and going full bore. And it's really just a fun sport to get out and watch, especially when you have a full crowd there. Uh, what kind of an impact does that have on the players when they've got a lot of support at their home games? And, and I know that there's just a different energy in that building. It's, it's awesome. I mean, playing in the Spectrum was great. But playing here in our own facility, having our own place that we can call ours is wonderful. And they're close to the action. The fans are 15 feet away. They can hear the players. They can see them sweating. They can do all those great things. And that does create this really cool buzz. You know, I mean, it's a really cool venue to watch volleyball. It's a, it was designed for volleyball. When, mm-hmm. when Scott Barnes put the funding together, he and I sat down and kind of mapped out what we thought should happen in this building. And, and it did. And it's awesome. It's great stuff. And to have those teams come, I've never played Eastern Michigan, so that'll be a new experience. Xavier, I've never played them. That'll be a new experience. Southern Utah, it's always fun to have a nice little rivalry match with in-state stuff. It's great. 
Yeah, I know. I know a lot of people haven't had the opportunity to get out to a game, but it's it's a lot of fun, and I'm saying that from the bottom of my heart. It's a, it's a fun sport to watch, and um, especially when you get to start out the season at home with a tournament like this. Um, so looking back, last year a little bit of a down year for the program. You saw saw some adversity and everything. Um, what as a coach, what do you see from last year that was the biggest? I guess the biggest cause of that, and what do you see this year that uh, gives you hope that things can turn around this year? One of the things that I think people never see, they always see the record, right? And, sure. you know, and But you don't see all the internal stuff that's happening. So there was a lot of, uh, n- nothing negative, just hard things that our team had to go through last year that were unique in my career. Mm-hmm. Um, some mental health stuff, all these kinds of things that people don't get to see that happen. And that's just part of the deal. And and so I thought we handled it fairly well as far as, hey, we stayed together as a group. We were still pulling for each other. We were still working hard together. We just didn't get the results we wanted. And so this year, I'm really excited because we return a lot of that experience. We've added a, a bunch of new pieces. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think all this stuff makes for really good volleyball for us. Well, I want to talk about those new pieces. But in, in 2015, it was kind of a similar season. And the next year, you come back more than double your win total, a really big turnaround. Um, what, what do you kind of, I don't know, I guess as a coach, what do you tell your program and what do you tell these girls trying to inspire the, the mindset of we can really turn this thing around and we can you know, have a really solid season like that team did one year after a rough year? I think it's, and this is such a coaching cliche, sure. I, you hear this all the time, but it's about the process. What are mm-hmm. we engaged in? Are we engaged in outcome or are we engaged in the process of us getting just a little bit better each day? And so that's where I've spent a lot of time, uh, and, and our, my staff and I, we've spent a bunch of time, hey, let's engage in this process of just being a little bit better. You know, John Wooden said, if you can just be 1% better each day, by the end, you're going to be markedly better than when you started. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. And so that's where we spend a lot of time talking with our kids about, what are you thinking about? How do you look at this? Are we in a growth mindset phase where we can go get better each day, or are we worried about stuff we can't control anymore, the past and the future, you know, just stay in the moment. And like I said, such a coaching cliche, but the longer I do this, the more I believe in all those cliches. They're there for a reason. <laughs> it's, I mean, and they stick around for a reason. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> for sure. <laughs> uh, uh, so you, you said you've got a lot of new pieces. You bring in three transfers, um, which is, you know, pretty, pretty big chunk of your roster coming in as transfer players into the program. You bring in two new coaches. Yeah. Um, what are you expecting for these new players and coaches to bring to the program? And, and a whole, of course, a whole bunch of freshmen. So far, the, the meld has been really smooth. Mm-hmm. Um, our older guys have always done a great job of mentoring our younger guys. Hey, this is what it takes to play volleyball here at this level. This is what it takes to be an Aggie. This is how you do the Scotsman. You know, the whole thing. We teach them the whole thing. And our older guys have really done a great job mentoring. And then it's been interesting because we went out to lunch the other day. So Mike Wilton who's retired from the University of Hawaii uh, as the head coach there for a lot of years, Craig Choate. Uh, and we all, the three of us went out to lunch. And I said, wow, this is a rare opportunity for me when I'm the youngest guy in this little crowd we have going, you know. <laughs> so it's been fun. Those guys have been I fantastic. bet you enjoyed that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it doesn't happen often. So it's kind of fun to be able to say that. Hey, I'm the young guy at 52 years old. I'm the young guy in the group. Mm-hmm. But it was, it's been great for me because they brought in a fresh, fresh perspective. Craig has a lot of experience, a lot of success wherever he's been. And Coach Wilton, is, his resume I'd put up against anybody in the country mm-hmm. as far as success. And so to be able to bounce ideas off of them and then say, hey, I think this will work better than this. Let's tweak it this way just a little bit. It's not this wholesale change, but it's this subtle um, view that maybe is a little bit better 
or different than what we've done in the past. So it's been good. Now you've had a, a really unique opportunity that not many coaches are able to have that. You've been able to coach your daughter, Cassandra, who's a player here at Utah State now, entering her, her sophomore year. Did she yeah, redshirt last she year? She redshirted last year. So she, she's her freshman, freshman season. Um, what's, what's that been like? I mean, not like I said, not many coaches are able to coach their direct bloodline, but to be able to bring her into the program and, and, ha- and watch her every day in practice and, and be a coach as well as a father to her. It, it's been awesome. I, I always told her, if those things ever get between our relationship, then let's not do it. Because for sure that relationship is the valuable one that's going to last for a long time. Must have been a tough recruiting pitch. It, <laughs> it, it was hard because she was trying to weigh it out. Sure. You know, she was trying to pick, make a good decision for her, mm-hmm. and and I was trying to make a good decision for our program. And I uh, once again, this Marv Dunphy, uh, this coaching colleague of mine, he says this is a unique opportunity. Volleyball's taken a lot from your family with you missing certain events. Now, now it can give you a little bit back. This is a no-brainer. And I said, it's got to be more complicated than that. He said, it's not. And I, what I told Cassandra was, you come in, you, you put your, your nose to the grindstone, and you just go to work, and you don't say stuff. You just go bust your tail. You throw your body around, and these guys will wrap their arms around you, and they'll care about you and love you. And, and that was kind of, that's been very true. I mean, she's just come in and gone to work. And it, but it's been fun to watch her interact with her peers. It's been fun to kind of watch her on road trips, watch mm-hmm. her balance homework and and school and athletics and all these kinds of things. So it's it's really it's really been a joy. Have you ever found yourself? Has, has it been difficult at all? Like, have you found yourself being maybe a little more critical or, or slightly more attentive at times to, to her? Have you been able to find a pretty good balance? I, I got after her a couple of times because yeah. I didn't think she was working hard, and and uh, so we tossed her a bucket of balls. I made her do a bunch of dives, and but other than that, she really does know. How, she really has a good work ethic. She takes after my wife in that department. So. Uh, you're a man of quotes. You've, you've thrown out several quotes <laughs> here today. I, I see you put them up on social media all the time. You've got several throughout your office. Give a favorite quote. I, when I tend to think of the awesome consequences of little things, I tend to think there are no little things. That's one. That's a real. That's a standard we use in our gym all the time. Who said that? I, I haven't been able to find out who said it. It's an anonymous one thus far. I'm still working on the, the <laughs> etymology of that one. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you're keeping that. You said you're keeping a journal. I'm glad that you're doing that. I, I think that you ought to have somebody full time just sit here and write down every good quote that you say. Because <laughs> you, you've got a too many profanities. I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> I've been in post game press conferences and, and uh, you know courtside enough to, to know you've got some good quotes. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I should just say thank you to stuff. I appreciate that. Uh, so we got to wrap things up here pretty pretty quick, but I, I want to ask you one one last question. What is your favorite thing about being the head coach of Utah State and being able to coach in Cache Valley? I I love the environment our kids get to be in every day. They get to be in a college town. They get to be in a campus that that cares about athletics, a community that cares about athletics. So for me, those are the greatest things about being here at Utah State. I mean, it's a great place to be. The Valley's awesome. It's so supportive. They care not just about our athletes as athletes, but our athletes as people, you know, our donors and all this kind of stuff. Just wonderful. What a great environment this is. I just love Logan. I love Utah State. I'll, like I said, I'll stay here as long as they'll keep me. I love it as well. It's a good place to live. It's, it's everything you said, amen to that. Um, <laughs> Namaste. So one last time. Uh, Utah State volleyball team starting off this weekend. Xavier, Eastern Michigan, Southern Utah coming to play at the Wayne Estes Center. Matches on Friday and Saturday. So if you're able to get out and, and see them, you know, we'll see you there. 
but coach, thank you so much for your time. I appreciate you uh, joining us on our very first Olympic sport feature here on the Aggies. Always Podcast. magical. Thanks and go Aggies. <laughs> All right. Some people just know there's a better way to do things like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. Allstate Vehicle and Property Insurance Company and Affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.